Warning. The following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, better reasoning skills, liberty, peace, and an escape from the woke. Welcome to the show. I am your host, L.B. Moniz, and this is a portion of episode 88 of our Demoralized Democracy. This is your first time checking out the show. Just wanted to say we do monthly live streams, and what you're listening to is a portion of that live stream. So we've got six episodes in this block, and I hope you enjoy it. Let me know your comments. Make sure you subscribe at bitawake.com. And before we get into it, because of when I'm recording this, I just want to wish everybody who's listening, who celebrates a Merry Christmas, and of course, I wish everybody a Happy New Year. I hope 2024 brings us many exciting stories that we get to unpack here at the Project for Bench Sense Making. So in this episode, like I said, six segments. Starting out, we're going to talk a little bit about my changing politics and the analysis, the mode of analysis I use, and how that differs from where I would have been in the past. The second segment of the episode is about Dear Patriot, No Identity for You. I talk about a piece I wrote, Dear Patriot, You're Supposed to Be Demoralized, and I tie that into a larger conversation about Israel-Palestine and who gets to have an identity in the West. I think it's an interesting thing to examine, given especially the, uh, the conflict in the Middle East. Then we move into all the worst elements of narrative journalism. We, we analyze that dead spin story of a hit piece on a nine-year-old boy because he decided to wear face paint to an NFL game and just how much that shows us about what is a decaying media uh, ecosystem. But it still has a lot of power and that's why we need to keep an eye on it. We also talk a little bit about Ibram X. Kennedy, and we also talk about Elon Musk in that episode, so make sure you check that one out. Then we move into a quick conversation about Argentina, uh, Spain, and Ireland, some recent unrest and up and election changes there that are very interesting from a geopolitical perspective, but might be lost in the day-to-day coverage of most of the shows that you listen to. We'll spend a little bit of time on the GOP debate, that's 88.5 and then 88.6. I want to I, I try to tackle a little bit of a question of are we dealing with an immigration at the moment at the southern border right now? Are we dealing with an invasion? Is it something else? I think there's an important conversation to be had here that most people aren't willing or interested in having. So I hope you join me on that. And then we also do our little roundup at the end there. We have some fun stories about Gavin Newsom cleaning up San Francisco. Why? Because he can and also dating in your 30s. So I hope you like this episode. If you would, if this is your first time listening, please subscribe on whatever platform you're on, and then go to beenawake.com. Subscribe with your email. It's the best way to keep in contact. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Stretch of the imagination. And we, be, do, we do wise to remember that, which is one of the reasons why we're going to talk about immigration after we talk about the GOP debate. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time covering the GOP debates because, frankly, let's all just be honest here, as we're sitting around talking. The fact that everybody in these GOP debates are barely running for second place, right? Trump has not been in any of them, and he still leads the field by 20 points. Tells everybody that this isn't real. And it really, to me, brings out what the theater in what we call political theater and that's one of the reasons why I haven't been paying too much attention, especially especially because these things always start out with like, you know, there's 16 people on the stage. Most of them don't matter. And, you know, it's just and we're still so far away from the election and the 
polling numbers are so in favor of Trump. There's really no reason to like these things unless you really want to be, unless you just enjoy the spectacle, unless you just enjoy the show. Now, that being said, that's not to say that peop, some people aren't playing the game correctly. And I do think that one of those people who's played the game correctly is Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, I know some libertarians don't like Vivek, and I don't know, you know, and, and I know I always start from that perspective. But it's because it's the perspective that's close in terms of who, where, where I was most recently, right? So let's see here. Mute audio screen, unmute audio screen. So we should be getting, should be getting that. But Vivek's done a very good job. I think he understands that none of this is for first place. And so he's just been taking people like Nikki Haley to hat to task. And frankly, I enjoy it. Now I know Vivek has said some things that most, that some people don't like, including using the government, using the, the army to go after the Mexican drug cartels. But like it or not, like I was talking about earlier with Malay's with Malay's victory, is you have to, at, at, no matter what you do, there's a co coalitions are involved in any kind of cons any kind of government operation. E you know, even like the most autocr uh, even the most autocratic governors in, throughout history have had advisors and people that they've had to work with. Now they might've killed those people at some point and then solidified their power, but you understand there, there, there's always some form of consensus building in any kind of government. And I would caution people from, I would caution people, especially the people who fall victim to every conspiracy out there that you might be missing the forest for the trees and you might miss something interesting that happens because you're very comfortable in your ivory tower. So Hopefully this is working. Let's all listen together. I want to say one thing about the tie to Ukraine, if I may. So foreign policy experience is not the same as policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to note that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in Eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression, the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a couple of members right there, the donors, the donors right there that are playing about the pop. Okay, hold on, hold on. So that was Vivek taking Nikki Haley to task and saying that the neocons have lied to us. All true, by the way. I got a one here I want to play that was pretty good as well. Again, hopefully everybody hears this. If it's not, it's going to suck. With all three of my other colleagues on this debate stage, 
is all three of them have been licking Donald Trump's boots for years for money and endorsements. Ron DeSantis, you've been a great governor, but you would have never been one without actually begging Donald Trump for that endorsement. And you attacked him in your Nikki book Haley. a year ago. Same thing with Chris as a lobbyist, begging them for COVID money for his special interests in New Jersey, prepping him for. It was a great debate. It was a lot of fun. Vivek's making moves. That's about all we need to really take from something like this. You know, we nothing's really, again, because Trump's almost definitely going to get the nomination. So what are we doing here? But I think Vivek's positioning himself well for a cabinet position or setting himself up for a future political run. So, like I said, I want to, I want to spend a little bit of time here talking about the differences between our, um, the differences between what we see today and what we've seen in the past in terms of immigration. And the, and the, the thing I want to put in regards to this is immigration or invasion, because a lot of people on the right will talk about the modern immigration as being an invasion. And as I was saying before, I thought there's a, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things I wanted I wanted to show you here in regards to this because what's also very interesting about the timing of the attack in of Hamas in um in Israel is that it was starting to go around the time that there's legitimate issues with this migrant crisis occurring so legitimate that you've seen you've seen governors across the country starting to address it and even the mayor of new york city going to south america to um going to south america to investigate the problem right this was uh what's his face eric adams went down there very very recently like almost right before all the chaos broke out in the middle east so it's not really something that people are able to ignore anymore and i thought this video was interesting now you can see a lot of different videos of people here and we don't really need sound on this but you can see a lot of different videos of people at the border of from various parts of the world but what you see here are a bunch of people from china and they all have backpacks and they're all sitting in a very orderly line and they're all waiting to be processed because they know they're going to be let into this country most of what your average liberal believes about immigration today and the border is false. But they are led by a certain impulse to always accept the other. There's evidence of there's evidence that a lot of the women during these journeys are raped, that children are raped, children die, people bring their children up with them, and it's horrible. And everybody watching this can understand why people would want to come to America. For as hard as we work, for as difficult as things can be here, it's still a better economic condition for the people coming, and it offers a better future for their children. So while Ibram X. Kennedy would think that I can't engage humanity because I'm white or something like that, I do, in fact, have profound sympathy for a lot of these people, and I understand their story. But what we've seen, re but it is worth noting as we look at this, there's only a couple of women coming through, 
again, I'm not saying this is representative. This is just one in particular that I found today. There's not a lot of women. And in fact, a lot of these men could be considered a fighting age. Now, does that mean it's an invasion? I guess it depends on what you mean by invasion. And I don't think, and I think in a non-literal sense, it's true, but in a literal sense, it's actually untrue. At least you think that until you hear Dick Durbin talking. What troubles me about the debate now about the southern border is it is one half of the immigration equation. It's one half yes, of the immigration equation. Yes, we need equation. order at the border. Yes, we need to have changes in the laws that reflect the reality of the overwhelming numbers from all over the world who are coming to our, our shores and our border. But there's also an incredible demand for legal immigrants into this country even now. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you are an undocumented person in this country and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like, you can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army and the Navy and the Air Force? So we should recruit undocumented people because military numbers are down. Now, if you didn't know, this is actually something that goes back a long way. You can a lot of people who are immigrants or who tried to come to this country have traded years of military service to be in the military to, to them to themselves gain American citizenship by spending time in the military. So this isn't so crazy. And I guess I guess. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to visit this episode on another show a little bit earlier in the context of the conversation, but this is too simple a binary to understand what's going on. And that's why every time I've written about it and every time I've talked about it, I've put it in the frame of human migration in the 21st century, the way human beings in the past migrated for climate, we might say climactic conditions today we move for economic ones and that's something that nobody talks about in the right frame because everybody has a political dog in this fight if you like what you heard today go to inawake.com to subscribe for future updates my name is LB Muniz and I am not one with the woke.